0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the No Liabilities podcast. I'm here today with the head instructor um, of Team Sean Hammonds, Mr. Sean Hammonds himself. Here, so uh, it's good to have you on, Sean. How you been doing, man? Man, I don't know.
1: This time, I know I ain't got the coronavirus. But
0: <laughs> yeah, it, so... uh, yeah, I'm
1: doing well, man. I haven't uh, haven't been working much. I know the gyms are. I got my little mats on the ground
0: <laughs> here nice. in my garage yeah so, so yes, I'm as doing soon scared. as uh the corona started going on and all that i was like mm-hmm. man uh the pollen came out really bad so I, and i'm really prone to getting sinus infections and stuff right. like that so i got like this uh sinus infection going people are looking at me i'm like it's just allergies I'm <coughs> like, uh, people staying
1: 10 feet away from you
0: yeah but i, I know I, that, like for a fact that i don't have corona because i get like sinus infections probably like 10 times a year it's just terrible. yeah my wife gets them sometimes yeah I washed my car um, the other day, and not even like an hour later, you could just see the pollen just smeared all across it. And I was like, yep, that's why I'm getting Tennessee's sick. The, Tennessee's so, the worst, man. We never, like, my,
1: I never, my wife never have, had allergies at all living up in Kentucky. She moved down here. She had to get put on all that Allegra or whatever the hell that shit is.
0: Yeah, that was, was a, always, the worst part of moving oh, here. When I first came down and started doing the, or the comp classes with the guys, I was like, you know, people probably thought that I was just a because I was dying, but yeah. I, was, I was so tired, like I was gassing out. Ten seconds. I started rolling ten seconds, just feel like I was a fish out of water. So, <laughs> the allergies are crazy here, and you know, I'm not the only one, uh, one of the, well he's a brown belt now, he came to our gym, and he was rolling for like 30 seconds, he's like, dude, I just can't breathe, I was like, yep, <laughs> I've been there. Welcome to Nashville. You gotta get used to it. Once you get used to it, acclimate it's it's better. Yeah. So, um, what what got you to move to Nashville? Have, have you Man, always been to Nashville? I, I, or?
1: Yeah, I moved to Nashville in 1992, bro. I was, uh, I was, I was a musician. So I played music at home with my grandpa, with my dad. I was always playing in clubs, and uh, <clears throat> I had uh, somebody said, "Man, you you're pretty good. You ought to move to Nashville." And so my dream was to come down here and be the next big George Jones. Yeah. You know? And uh, so I came down in uh, 1992, and I moved in July. I saved up about $1,600. Nice.
0: So
1: came down about a month earlier. That's, that's how it happened, man. And I moved down here for music.
0: Okay. Yeah, so you moved down here for music. Um, and you got pretty far. I mean, I remember you were telling me that you had a, a record deal um yeah. you, know, you had a, a really good hit song that was on the radio. Um I listened to that song, man, and I listened to it like at least like a hundred times. I mean it was a it was a great song. Um yeah, what, man. what was the song called? Uh Whatever. everything.
1: Yeah. I think if uh George Strait would have cut it, it'd have been a number one record because I was a new artist. Really yeah. hard to break a new artist. Like takes a lot of a lot of politics involved, yeah. bro. And a lot of money a lot of money it takes about half a million dollars to break a record that is no joke that's half a million to a million dollars to get a song to the number one spot
0: yeah it's all it has
1: nothing to do every once in a while you'll get that you'll hear that song it's like it just by itself it can go number one without any help yeah but that's very rare and most of the time you have uh a team behind you pushing money to the radio stations taking you everywhere to um do um Radio interviews and stuff. So I, you know, when I first got my record deal, it was 2008, and uh, heck, I just took second at the Pan American Championships the year before. I was excited about training. My instructor, Master Lloyd, he said, "Shorty, you ain't gonna be able to compete this year. You got to work on your deal. You got your record deal now. You can come back to jiu-jitsu later." Yeah. So I did the Pan Am's 2008 because I was on the road. I went out. Um, I visited, uh, of course, New York, you know, Jersey, all that. Went to all the radio stations. Went to the Midwest. I went out to California, went down to Florida, and was just pushing my record. So I wasn't doing jujitsu much at that time because I didn't have time.
0: Yeah. Um, Crazy. So I think, I mean, honestly, um, I just started listening to country music probably like two years ago, and I love it now. You know, I like different Mm -hmm. genres, stuff like that. But, you know, I listen to that song, and sometimes uh, (laughs) when you listen to your friend or something, you're like oh yeah you gotta tell them you know it's good because they're your friend but yours was like it really uh, blew me away I was like man like this is this is good I could listen to this every day uh, <laughs> it surprises people sometimes but it's funny
1: because people in the music industry were surprised that I was a black belt in jiu-jitsu yeah and people in jiu-jitsu was all surprised that I was a singer like oh wow really <laughs> so like two different worlds I lived in you know it was kind of
0: kind of crazy Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, So who did you, uh, I know you got your black belt from Lloyd Irvin. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, did you train full-time under Lloyd, or did you have anybody else along your career?
1: Yeah, so when I first
0: started out, I was actually, this
1: was like like February of 1998. I went back home, and there was a buddy of mine, he cut my hair all the time when I had it. And uh, he cut my hair, and then uh, I, he was a martial arts guy, taekwondo, black belt, but he did Kali stick fighting. And I was in his uh, – he was cutting my hair, and I looked up, and I saw this uh, picture of uh, Gracie, and it was actually Alio, the old man. He went out to California and visited the old man, visited the, the jiu-jitsu. And uh, Elio, I guess, was in California at that time, I guess probably visiting Horian or something. And I said, man, what is that stuff? And he kind of said, man, you need to watch the UFC. And I was way late. This was 98. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And I found an old tape, and I rented it back then. It was VHSs. And I saw the UFC, and I saw Royce Gracie um, choking people and arm barring people, guys that were way bigger and stronger than him. And I was like, okay, something's going on. I was doing a lot of bouncing at the time. I was running a security team at Starwood Amphitheater. Which is a big venue for concerts. You know, we've had everybody there—Ozzy Osbourne to everybody. So I ran a hill team. I hired uh, my buddy A Clay, who at the time I taught and started teaching him jiu-jitsu when he was sixteen, and then at that time he was already eighteen, and we already had Nashville MMA going. And uh, so I, um, I was going home. He, uh, my buddy who cut my hair, said, "Man, there's a guy here in Kentucky that's a blue belt under Carlos Machado." I didn't know who Carlos was. I said, cool. So I called him. It was an old, it was a kid that went to school with my brother. In high school, he was like a misfit, a pothead. Yeah. I was four years older than him, and I was a jock. I was like MVP football player, Brom King, all this shit, right? <laughs> so I, uh, I called him. His name was Bryce, Bryce Moore. He's actually in Nashville. I'll tell you that story. It's hilarious. Yeah. So Bryce was a blue belt under Carlos Machado. And when i called him he goes uh is he did you say your name sean hammonds i said yeah man he goes uh, like newport football star sean hammonds like went to Newport." i said yeah man he goes man that is amazing he goes i'm my name's bryce moore and i said man i've heard your name before he goes so he charged me like 20 bucks to do a private lesson with me he was a blue belt yeah. i went over there and he was 170 pounds uh, i was a power lifter 205 pounds benched over 400 pounds strong as shit. <laughs> I thought, I'm going to kill this poor kid. And he beat the shit out of me in his basement. (laughs) And he was just a blue belt. And uh, so he found a um, newsletter, a Hickson Gracie newsletter, and found out that there was a blue belt affiliate under Hickson in Nashville. So Eric Silver, I called him because he was a, a blue belt under Hickson here in Nashville. And I said, shit, I live in Nashville. So I called him. I said, yeah, do you guys do that Brazilian jiu-jitsu stuff? He goes, yeah, man. I said, well, I'll tell you what. I want to come to a class. If you guys can kick my ass, I'm signing up. <laughs> and I went, and they kicked my ass, and I signed up. I couldn't believe it because they were all 160, 150 pounds, and I was real big, and they would just use leverage. I'd push. They'd arm lock me. They'd take my back, choke me. I was like, okay, this shit's something. Something's going on, man. And uh, so I I started jiu-jitsu there so we was under hicks and gracie for the first four years of my jiu-jitsu career and then i got my blue belt under that association but i think the guy did it was uh Luis heredia uh they call him Lamal, he's out in hawaii gave me my blue belt and uh from there we just kept going uh then ed clay i got Ed clay into jiu-jitsu when he was 16 brought him over to eric's and then he's a just a really smart kid very entrepreneur and he uh, started Nashville MMA and then we kind of moved everything there and then he found Luis Polaris from Brazil brought him in he met him out in California in a tournament brought him in to be the head instructor at Nashville MMA that was 2001
0: oh, I didn't know that yeah awesome. yeah
1: yep. and Luis is the guy who gave me my purple belt. I was kind of like his top student, and and, uh, we would run around. I would go to, I won the Arnold Classic, the Gracie Nationals that Helson used to run uh, when I was a purple belt. So I was kind of like Louise's prize, Jiu-Jitsu kid. And uh, some things went fell apart with Ed and the business, and Louise left. And then uh, I was a big Hanato Tavares fan. Trained with him before. Ed Clay was like, Sean, he goes, "Um, man, I found this guy I want to go under, but I want you to lead the gym. I want you to be the head instructor. I said, buddy, I'm just a purple belt. He goes, you don't understand. We don't need a black belt. I'm going to build the business around you. I said, okay. So he goes, I want to go under a guy named Lloyd Urban. I said, never heard of him. Some American guy? I said, that's crazy. I said, we need a Brazilian. He goes, now you don't understand. I said, I like Hanato Tavares. I think he's a great guy. I've trained with him. I said to me, that's the guy we probably need. He goes, before you make a decision, let me take you out to Lloyd Irvin's gym and let you train.
0: And they had this little kid named
1: Mike Fowler out there. Mike was about 165 pounds, tearing up the East Coast.
0: Yeah, I've heard about Mike.
1: And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm probably the toughest guy around here. There's no way I'm going to kill this guy. I'm bigger than him. And I went out to Lloyd's, man, in the eye opening. The way they drilled, the way they trained, they tore me up. And I was pretty good, I thought. Most everybody else thought I was pretty good. Yeah. But I got tore up by him, man. And then with, <laughs> with that, I was like, uh, i trying to set my phone up. Good. So, I can, so I was like, uh, this is amazing. This is the guy we need to be under. So yeah. we went under Lloyd and uh, never looked back from him. And that's probably changed my whole competition idea of how to train, And I just
0: started passing it on to all my students. Yeah, man, that's awesome. It's cool. Yeah, it's kind of cool learning about the the backstory behind uh, Nashville MMA and how they got started and who you guys were Mm -hmm. under. So originally I was under um, Hanato Tavares as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, you said that you never went under Hanato, were you?
1: We didn't. Well, because of Lloyd. If he wouldn't have taken me out there, that was my choice to call Hanato. But I was so impressed by Lloyd. I didn't want
0: to go nowhere else. It's kind of cool. You see some of the the top-level competitors. Um, it's not – well, I mean, there are some people who uh, create champions, but, you know, a lot of us – you know, I learned under Colin and Kyle Cannon. Um, mm-hmm. And then it went from uh, them to Hanato, and then from uh, Hanato to Chewy. I kind of learned from uh-huh. all them. And then, you know, I went down to uh, Tennessee to train with you. You know, you helped me out uh-huh. with my card passing, stuff like that. But – Mm Jiu-jitsu is just a a mixture of a bunch of different people's techniques, and if you can mix them together, you become a a dangerous person. And there's still this day, like when I went to the uh, JT Torres seminar, you know, he showed that headquarters position. I've been playing with it, and I had done headquarters before, but Mm -hmm. I was always more of like a a fast passer. You know, like I wanted Mm -hmm. to keep my distance and go there, and then he's like, you should try headquarters. So I was like, you know what? I'll revisit the series, and you know, I've just been killing people with it. And he he destroyed me. He made uh, mm-hmm. everybody in the gym look stupid. You know, just yeah. with the headquarters position. I was like, you know what? This is a a pretty solid position to stop people um, with flexible guards and stuff like that. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: pretty. Cool. And you're talking about learning from
1: another guy who came from the Lloyd Irvin lineage.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: JT. So, because I learned all the expats and the chairs sitting in the headquarters from him also back when he was with Lloyd he'd come come and did a seminar uh but I know he's changed it and added stuff to it now of course
0: yeah it's uh it's kind of crazy like some of the positions that I had learned early on like I said the headquarters position I'd learned the sprawl pass I'd learned the cut through stuff like that uh-huh. but for the longest time I just uh I just didn't like it didn't like it at all but then mm-hmm. there's that one person that came along and like Give you like those few little details, and you're like, oh, this is my favorite position now. Yeah. It's kind of like the triangle. Um, triangle and De La Hiva. When I first learned De La Hiva from uh, Kyle Cannon, I remember calling him dumb. <laughs> I was like, this is stupid. Like, I- I'll never use this position in my life. <laughs> and, and that was when I was a blue belt kid. I think I was like 16 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I thought that I knew everything about jiu-jitsu. <laughs> oh, yeah. he <yeah. laughs> was trying to belt. teach me. it daily hiva and Baron bolo he's like this is what everybody's doing nowadays like you're gonna see like a, a ton of people coming up that are gonna be doing this stuff and i'm like man nobody's gonna be rolling on their neck to take people's back and stuff like this and then now it's it's everywhere so and you know kyle hey, went up right? there and trained with autos and lloyd and you know he's trained yeah. with all those guys too so mm-hmm. it's pretty cool um, <laughs> all right so somebody asked me this was from um my little email list that i send out and I send out uh, who's going to be on the podcast. That way, people can ask their questions. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you guys want to check that out, you just go to my Instagram page and there'll be a link to it. But someone wanted to know how you uh, balanced your family time with uh, jujitsu, with the music, with all this stuff. Because he's saying that he has two kids and he has a wife and he's having trouble. Uh, he's like, I want to go to jujitsu, but she wants to spend time with me. And uh, so he was asking that question, you how you uh, balance your life and everything. Yeah. So
1: here's what I had to tell him. <clears throat> I loved jujitsu so much and I I was I worked hard and I got really good at it and I turned it into my job. That's pretty much saved me a lot with arguing with my wife a lot. <laughs>
0: yeah. Because
1: before I became the instructor, it was the same way, but back then Jiu-jitsu was only offered two, three days a week. It yeah. wasn't you know, like it is today. So I would go, and I remember an Eric Silver man, would, his classes would be two, two and a half hours long. So I would get home. She'd be like, why are you home so? I said, I'm telling you, you don't understand. This is a long class. And still, Eric Silver loved to tell you stories at the end of the classes about the Graces because yeah. he used to hang out with Hickson. So we'd have to sit, you can't just say, you know what, I gotta go, I gotta get up, you just can't, and um, so, and then with music, the same way, that the music was a dream of mine, and my yeah. wife knew that was my dream, and she's either on board, or she's not on board, luckily she moved here for music too, so I was very fortunate enough to turn, first to turn jiu-jitsu into my job, to where I got to go to work and do jiu-jitsu, yeah. so somebody who doesn't have that, there's gonna be a compromise. It's going to be, have to be a compromise to where they can train at least three days a week. I know she, he might even want to train more. Yeah. But he's going to have to compromise with the wife, and the wife has to be on board with that. And explain to her something like, I mean, this is what keeps him sane. This is what keeps him, you know, from stressing. This helps. It's a relief. Uh, and, but don't take it away from her. Well, I thought I was your, you are too. Yeah, I love you to death. I wouldn't be married to you, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it's tough. That's how I did it. I was fortunate enough to turn it into my job. I know that's a horrible answer for somebody who may not be turning that into their job. But um, that's how I, I got away with it. Uh, I was able to turn it into my job. And then Carol's like, Wait, I got. I ain't going to jiu-jitsu no more. I'm going to work. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, that, that was a hard one for me. I was like, man, I bet Sean might have a, a better answer than me because – I mean, jujitsu has literally been my job since I was 13 years old. Yeah. I remember mm-hmm. I was one of the first kids at uh, Derby City, and uh, Colin he he didn't want to really do anything with the kids, so he's like, you mm-hmm. know what? If you want to teach the program and get some kids in here, you can't. So I took over the kids program when I was 13. Right. Started teaching all the classes until Chewy bought the gym because they didn't want anything to do with the kids program. They're Like now, mm-hmm. we just want to do adult uh, jujitsu and uh, capoeira and stuff like that. We're gonna. We're gonna stick to the boxing, capoeira, muay thai, and jiu jitsu. So mm-hmm. I, I've always had that excuse, to be like, well, you know, this is my job. I can't, I can't help it. So I was like, you, you might have a better answer than me. <laughs> there's,
1: there's something else that he could do if he could pull it off, is to get her into jiu jitsu.
0: Yeah. If you get a
1: girl that gets crazy in jiu jitsu? Also, the perfect mix, man, got it made. Try to take her, tell her, you know, learn some self defense classes, stuff like that, just to get her into it. Uh, what you don't want to do is make it to where, like, jiu is like another girl. Like, I'm jealous of it. She's jealous of it because it's taking time away. That's what happened with me. Yeah. And my wife used to say that until I turned it into my job. Yeah. But it was like, you know, to you know, <laughs> so try to get her into doing some self-defense, and if she falls in love with it, it could be the perfect.
0: Yeah, I mean, then you you'll never be know. Like, Honey, I knew a dude, uh, he was talking. This was at Derby City. He was talking to his girlfriend forever, trying to get her to try jiu-jitsu class. He's like, "Try jiu-jitsu class. Try this. Try this." And she's like, Man, "I don't want to do it. Like, I don't want to roll around with a bunch of sweaty dudes and stuff like that." Which I mean, it's a hard sell to come in here and you know let, let all mm-hmm. these sweaty dudes like put you in arm bars and chokes and stuff like that. Yeah. But he finally got her to come in to to try one of the uh, the classes. It was one of my classes, and you know, I put her with one of uh, the other females. That way, she wouldn't have to roll with some big sweaty dudes stuff like that, and she loved it, and uh, she's still training to this day. So, you know, it just kind of took over her awesome. life. All it takes What's sometimes that is thing, just you know? to see, like, it's not nearly as bad as what you think it's going to be because, mm-hmm. you know, you think it's going to be terrible. And, you know, sometimes it is. You're going to get sweat, sweat on by big big dudes and stuff like that. But, I mean, that's part of it. And another thing for the females out there, you could always pick and choose your partners. Exactly. Uh, I mean, you know from firsthand, my girlfriend's really good at doing that.
1: <laughs> Best at it. She yeah, the, so yeah. I mean, if you don't want to realize. roll
0: with somebody, you don't have to roll with somebody. Especially if yeah, you know they're brown, going crazy, like just tell them no. though. My
1: brown belt girl Nicole, she she pick and choose too. She knows who's gonna try to hurt her and who's not. But yeah. yeah, Leslie, she's good at that. She
0: she she does it right. Yeah, I mean you have to be uh, you know vocal about it because I mean some people and they don't even mean to be, but I mean they're just a newer person. Like mm-hmm. the new white belts that come in and stuff like that, you know, a lot of the the females won't roll with them right away because you know they don't know to to not go 150, mm-hmm. percent you know, you don't want to get hurt. So it's important mm-hmm. for you to to choose your partners. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes I choose my partners, right? Some, uh, oh, some yeah. new guy comes in and I got a tournament coming up. I'm like, you know, I can't risk my career to to go with That's this guy what... right away until he kind of understands that it's not a a battle to the death. <laughs>
1: That's what right away, don't understand i didn't really understand that when i was a purple belt when it came to to like i would roll with anybody walked in the gym i don't care how big and strong because i had to, you know i would but now i'm 40 i'll be 49 all right yeah man i'm gonna roll with who the hell i want if i say no to you no i might roll with you again sometime later on yeah but now my like my brain still has the jujitsu in it Yeah. No. my body doesn't work like it used to right <laughs> i've had more surgeries than a lot of people so, you know, uh, you have to pick and choose. Now, even you, like a high level young athlete who's really, really good, you have to think, you know, this guy stacks me a lot. I have to be careful. Yeah. Because I gotta turn him if I hurt my neck, I'm gonna screw myself, right? And it's not saying you probably beat that guy all the time, but you still after you beat him, you're beating, they're still like, Oh god, I can't I can't move my neck now.
0: Man, I'm I am hurting the arm good. for the rest so, of the week. <laughs> I like
1: understand that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um I mean, as I'm getting, I mean, I'm only 25 and stuff like that, but used to, I would yeah. roll with, and I mean, I still will, I'll still do it every now and then, because I'm still stupid. Yeah, do, yeah. <laughs> but, uh But I'm a little bit more careful when I feel like something's a little bit tweaked or something now. I'm like, you know what, I'm going to take it a little bit easier compared to when I was younger. <clears throat> I was rolling with everybody. I was going to go with the biggest person in class just to prove a point, because, yeah. you know, I had to beat everybody. And now I'm like, yeah, it doesn't. you know, this is training. It doesn't matter that much. You know, I'll roll with them another day. I'm not trying to, to injure myself because it sucks going through an injury. You can't can't really perform, oh. perform for a long time. Uh, so, man, I a, another question uh, from the email list. Um, he wanted to know after all these years, what keeps you motivated to, to still want to train jiu jitsu?
1: Um, man, for me, I just love jiu jitsu. Like, It's nothing wrong sometimes like this. This coronavirus thing has taken me away for about three weeks. And for the first two weeks, I was still like, that's cool. Now I'm itching, right? So I had Chad Washburn, my black belts, come over the other day because I know he's been quarantined because he's got a baby over there and he hasn't been going. So I said, he came over and I got to move around and roll. Um, my, My desire to train like an animal is gone completely, right? I'll train enough to try to do a tournament. But like when I was in my like 36, 37, when I was done training, I was laying on the ground, took me 10 minutes to get up because I was training for a tournament. Um, That's completely gone for sure um, because I'm a lot older now and I don't think anybody at my age does that kind of training anymore unless it's one day a week or two days a week. But um, I just, uh, I've been doing it for so long and I do 100% believe in repetition. And I still, you still have to think about if somebody on the street's gonna snag you. And some you know, if you're gonna get into some kind of application, you still wanna be kind of and you can train without killing yourself now if you learn how to drill correctly. Find the right partners that wants let you move around so you don't, you know. Yeah. Think about there's videos of Hickson rolling with Alio Gracie when he was in his eighties. Yeah. And you see it was it's really awesome. You see Alio on top of Hickson mounted and you Know Hickson trying to get out, but not trying to get out a little bit. You know, letting his dad's his dad was 80 years old, 100 pounds. Yeah, but he's not trying to kill him, was he's just
0: getting that floor so still, he can still move. Yeah.
1: Dad was still moving and controlling his head, and Hickson's not trying to tear him up. Hickson, and you, you know, right? Yeah. It's like sometimes with you and me. <laughs> I can't, like, I can't beat you like I used to kick your butt. <laughs> Um, I can hang in there every once in a while, but I'm always gonna probably lose because I just I just my body can't keep up anymore. You yeah, and Chewy and Salter, you know guys that I've taught and helped, they just you know it's the way it is.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, me personally, I've seen you roll with uh, Sean er not Sean, uh, John and uh, Chewy as well, Chewy. and you know some days when you're tired, you're hurting, you know they're not trying to hurt you. They're kind of no, they're, nice. they're On that floor Chewy, like you're great. talking about. Yeah. So. You know, one
1: of the best. John, if I feel John like you're on, on.
0: <laughs> then we're both like, we're both going at it. Yeah. And, then, you know, the days where I see that you're a little bit worn out, you know, I know that I'm younger and faster mm-hmm. and I'm still doing this now, stuff. No, you, so. you've
1: taken good care of me sometimes and we're just moving. And then you'll know when I start, I'm like, bum bum bum, man, you go. And then we go. And that's okay. Yeah. Because I, I asked for that shit, right? Oh, yeah. And that's only certain times. And then there's sometimes I'm like, eh, I'm just going to move because I can't move. I'm just, I'm just you know. And, and to, to answer your question is, I'm going to train as long as I can move because I love jiu jitsu. Um, I may not train like I used to train, but I'm still going to train enough to where at my age, I still don't have to worry about a 21 year old kid on the street. I will bust his ass. He's right. not a <laughs> black belt in jiu jitsu, right? I'm not, you know, when you train against another 25 year old black belt jiu jitsu who you've taught a lot and who is a competitor, that's way different than some kid on the street that says, I'm going to kick your old ass. I'll be like, you're out of your mind. <laughs> I'm about to beat you, silly. So as long as you just keep training two days a week if you want, it doesn't yeah. matter. But uh, I don't know if I'll ever lose the desire to train.
0: Yeah, um, you know, same with me. I love it. I, I think of everything like a, a video game. I play a lot of video games, so I'm just mm-hmm. constantly analyzing and thinking what's going to be best to get to this position. That's right. really all I can think about. Like even when I'm not on the mats, I'm just thinking about how can I do this position better <laughs> to where I won't give up that uh, that little edge. That's
1: right. That's good shit, man. So, uh,
0: another thing, too, like, with me, um, with my training and stuff like that, I remember when I was 16, all the way up till 18, I was running hills, I was running sprints, I was, um, you know, lifting a little bit of weights. I never went too far with weightlifting and stuff like that, and then I would train at least three or four hours of jujitsu on top of the running, on top of all this, Mm -hmm. and now I'm like, dude, if I did that, like, I I don't know if I could train anymore, because the injuries just started piling up on me. And I think it was uh, at 22, I was like, man, I felt like an old man. My body just started giving out on me because I'd been going so hard f- consistently, like years. seven days a week for at least, I did that for 12 years almost. Mm-hmm. So I just uh, put a toll on my body. So now unless I'm I'm getting ready for a tournament or something, you know, I still roll hard. It's not like I'm not rolling hard or anything but uh, not nearly at that competition level where you're getting aggressive, you're getting mean, and, like, you're drilling and trying to kill yourself to get ready for the tournament. Like, mm-hmm. I found, like, some part of the years I'll coast, and I'll get ready for that next one. And even, like, every now and then I'll still do a tournament if I've uh, barely been training. I mean, I've been doing this stuff so long, it it's mm-hmm. not like I'm going to go out there and do terrible. Like, yeah. I got 14 years of jiu-jitsu under my, under my belt there, so... And yet,
1: like you said, like when you
0: did train hard,
1: when you was young, you trained, um, what would you call it, reckless, yeah. because you would fight the biggest guy in the gym, because you thought, I'm going to have now you know, that. Eh, we don't do that anymore, we have to be careful, but yeah. you put that kind of strain on your body over years, too, which being stacked and being put on your neck so much, that, yeah. Uh, yeah, man, I used to let my arms pop, because I didn't care, oh, God, I wish <laughs> I had never done that, I can have you ever People have ever seen me walk, I can't straighten my arms. They think yeah. I'm trying to stick my t- – no, I'm not. I just can't straighten my damn
0: arms. <laughs> yeah, I remember at a, at a tournament I was going against uh, – I was going against Robbie Mayloff, and
1: mm-hmm. he jumped
0: over top of me, and, like, I was like, I'm not tapping. I let my arm just pop out of place, pushed it over, and then came up, got my <laughs> two points, won the match. And I was like, God, just looking back at it now, I'm like, I was let my arm break, it, like, almost in half just to, to get just to the away I'm I'm so, yeah. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy when I was a kid. You know, I would go against like these uh, all-American wrestlers and D1 wrestlers. They'd have me in a headlock, just squeezing my head off, necks like popping. I'm like, I'm not tapping. Like, I'm gonna keep Dude,
1: going. I saw you? I saw you go against Jeff Munson.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I was like, that kid's a monster, man. It's
0: yeah, crazy. It, even now, I still have those uh, those moments where your uh, pride gets the best of you. You know, like when I was going against Lucas Barbosa. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. in a freaking arm triangle for like three minutes just squeezing my head off. And I'm like, I just don't – I hate losing. So I fight everything as hard as I can. But yeah. now I'm starting to starting to realize it a little bit more now. I'm like, man, these injuries are – they suck because they're going to put you out for six months. So I'm like, it's, it's better off for to tap now. And that's yeah, what I've been follow. trying to reinforce in my head. It's like, ah, you know what, it, it's better to just tap and move on to the next one than to mm-hmm. get hurt, be out for six months, go back, have to do it all again. Unless it's like, you know, maybe the world championships or something like that, but.
1: <laughs> yeah, if I'm winning in the worlds, I might let something go just to be a world
0: champion. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But like, <laughs> like me making a stupid mistake at like National Open, you know, I'm I'm clearly caught in a smash I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to let my knee blow out here. I'm going to try to fight this and, you know, let my knee blow out, stuff like that. I'm like, ah, man, I'm. Start. I regretted that one for a long time. Yeah, I haven't been
1: hurting <laughs> you for a little while, too. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I know. I still feel that one to this day, like, in yeah. my knee. So I'm like, ah, you know, i got to start being care- more careful the older I get. Because I remember when I was a kid, like, my arms would go all the way back, and I'd be fine. Like, I'd wake uh-huh. up the next day and be like, yep, I'm ready to roll uh, 10 more hours here. <laughs> now I'm like, ah, oh, man, I've been out for, like, six months because, you know, something yeah. stupid that I did compared to when I was a kid, like, I would have just walked it off and kept going. So that, that's yep. been a, a big learning experience for me, just getting older in the sport.
1: <laughs> and as such, we have to learn the hard way, because no, none of us ever listen.
0: Nope. Anyway,
1: we're only going to learn our own way.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, right. I try to advise people not to do what I did, but I, I know that they're going to do it anyways. It's kind of like yeah. when your uh, doctor or your physical therapist tells you, you know, hey, you probably shouldn't train, you shouldn't do this. So like, oh yeah, I won't train, you know, I'll just train with one leg and I'll do this instead. You are like... <laughs> So right. <laughs> that's been a, a big one for me, for me getting older in the sport. Um, so another person asked, he says, uh, what was the most embarrassing moment in jujitsu that you've had? Me? Yeah. Yeah. Any embarrassing yeah. ones?
1: Yeah, I've had a really bad one. So when uh, I first took over Nashville MMA as the head instructors of Purple Belt, um, <clears throat> ed clay had the music city open yeah big tournament i was just got my purple belt i was you know winning everything and uh lloyd came down along with mike fowler right mike came down and competed and i was for some reason a nervous wreck to compete in front of lloyd at that time it was the first time i ever got to compete in front of him even though i was winning all kinds i was And I ain't going to lie, they led a blue belt in our division. He was a little taller than me, and I was kicking his ass (laughs) in the And I just started hyperventilating and had like an anxiety attack and had to roll over and tap. And I was just because I was just, I don't know what happened. I just got nervous as hell because Fowler was there. Lloyd was there, and it messed me up. It was the most embarrassing moment my my students were there right and they were like after i got done man i didn't know what to do i had to talk to lloyd about it and lloyd straightened me up on that kind of thinking thinking about not that's how i tell people I'm like man look don't, the only reason you get nervous is because you think that somebody's watching you and you don't want to you don't want to disappoint them you don't go into a tournament like that you go into a tournament you fight your hardest and if you do my instructor's gonna be proud of me. I'm gonna be proud of my students as long as you fight. What I call to the death. Just fight. You know, you're in there. You ain't got nothing to lose. Go. Um, and what happens is people start thinking about, well, what if I lose in front of you? What if I? And that that was my most embarrassing moment. It was probably 2004, maybe four or five. Yeah. I was just under Lloyd. Um, man, yeah, it was. I still sometimes think about how embarrassing that <laughs> shit was. But you know, I grew out of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean it happens. I I've done the same thing, uh I think it was my first my maybe my first ever black belt match of the, the Pans, I kinda had a similar thing. I felt like this really overwhelming pain in my rib. Uh, it was just anxiety from being out oh, there dude, first black God. belt tournament. You know, and it was kinda hard for uh me growing up as a kid because I was winning so much that it was almost oh. like I was expected to win and uh, that's So it it put an overwhelming – and, you know, my dad was hard on me. You know, he wanted me to win and stuff like that. Um, And then everybody at the gym, if I won anything, it was kind of like, ah, just another medal. You know, Uh so I just had this overwhelming pressure for the longest time. Like, oh, I got to win everything. I have to. And then uh, eventually it led to me, like, before tournaments I would get – I was just getting so sick (laughs) just because I had all this pressure. Then I started the YouTube channel and stuff like that, and I'm like, man, I hope these guys aren't expecting the same thing that everybody else is expecting, because <laughs> now I got like, you know, thousands of people expecting me to yeah. just win every single match, and it was a hard thing to uh, to deal with at first, um, especially when I first started doing all this stuff. Uh, I think I'm at thirty thousand followers on uh, YouTube now, mm-hmm. and people were coming up to me before the tournaments, talking to me, and I'm just like. Oh, man, I hope I don't throw up because, <laughs> you know, I still got to compete today and all these people are coming up talking to me. But, yeah. you know, I love it. I love talking to the people, you know, getting oh, yeah. the new people. But it's just like this, uh, it was a new sense of pressure that I really had, uh, had to get used to. And to then at the National that. Open, I had, like, all the people that I've been teaching, our entire team, and new people that were coming up to me talking. I'm like, man, this is a lot of uh, pressure that I got to get used to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but just like anything, uh, the more times you do it, the, the better you'll get at it. So, you know, I'm looking yeah. forward to it now. Uh, yeah, the no, pans one year I was just excited. You know, I had all, it was like when I first started the channel, I hit 15,000 people and I had, uh, two people recognize me and I was like, Oh, this is awesome. So I got out there, I was smiling, like just rolling around, having fun. Mm-hmm. And I was yeah. like, well, you know, now I wasn't nervous at all, but I was too relaxed I was, yeah. I was out there smiling looking over at chewy just like having fun doing all this but Then I forgot I was like oh wait I'm gonna am in a competition right now this guy's trying to kill me so I was trying to I find mean. that little uh, level there to to be right in the middle to where I'm a little bit nervous but not to where I'm playing around kind of like at the the Vegas opens where I feel like I hit my stride you know oh went man, out there you look just, just really good at attacking it. attacking so it's
1: funny because if you if you start thinking about Guys like Andre Gavall, you start thinking of Bouchet, the pressure they have on them, Leandro Lowe, it doesn't bother them. So if yeah. it doesn't bother them, why should it bother us?
0: Yeah.
1: We can do the same thing. So I think about that kind of stuff a lot. It helps me mentally. And that's shit that Lloyd helped me figure out. Yeah. He goes, Brother, you train with the best. There's no one else trains with them. You're the, you know, you got to tell yourself, like, I'll, this is no louset. If I'm at the PANs or at, the, at a tournament, you see me and I'm sitting by myself. I'm chanting, I'm the champ, I'm the champ, I'm the champ, I'm the champ. And it's in my head constantly. Yeah. It keeps all the negative shit out of, what if I missed the takedown? Or what if he does this and I can't, I don't even think of that because I'm so busy singing, I'm the champ, I'm the champ. And when I get out there, I just fight to the death. And that's, It helped me a lot, man. Lloyd helped me a lot with that kind of psychological stuff.
0: Yeah, so that's what I've been really trying to focus on lately. Um, and at the Vegas Open, uh, you know, this was about two years ago. I remember I woke up that morning, I threw up, and I was like, oh man, like, I'm just so freaking nervous right now for no reason, and then I got to the venue, and I went to the mirror, and I was like, quit being a bitch, and I looked looked myself dead in the mirror and just like, kept telling myself, I was like, quit being a bitch, like, get out there, you know, do this, and usually I can never eat before a tournament, but just putting myself in that mindset, you're like. You know, that you know, I gotta quit being a bitch and I gotta get out there and I gotta do this stuff. I was able to eat, I started eating bananas, I was drinking water, drinking Gatorade, yeah. stuff that I couldn't do because I would get sick if I had anything on my stomach. So mm-hmm. it's uh it's a big game changer just uh putting yourself in a, a positive mindset there. So mm-hmm. that was a yeah, good tip.
1: Tell, I would tell um I tell people you go to a tournament the biggest tournament in the world, fifty percent of people competing are gonna lose their first match. Fit, don't just don't be that, you know, don't be that 50%. But 50% of people are going to lose. You're not the only one out there putting it on the line. Yeah. So don't worry about nothing. Just go out there and fight your game. If you get beaten, your game, and the guy's better than you, it's the way it is.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's uh, that's what I've been really focused on. I'm like, man, all these people are here to do the same exact thing as I am. Like, if they can do it, so can I. So, so can I put myself exactly. in that mindset there. Um, so I got one more question for you here. And it's, do you have any liabilities? I have none. That's all right. Good Keep it that you. way. None at all. All right, brother. Hey, it was great uh, talking to you. I appreciate you coming on um, Thank you. the channel. Good talking to you, brother. Uh, we'll have thanks you back on the me, podcast brother. soon. Um, yeah, thanks again, man. We'll talk to you soon. See
1: hey, my brother. Be good.